0: Welcome to Empower, the first real-fire property platform on Cardano that combines emerging technology, sustainable building, and decentralized financial inclusion. My name is Blaine and I'm the sustainability architect here at Empower, and on this podcast we'll be sharing conversations based around Empower's three key principles of building, community, and impact. If you want to join our journey and help us build a better future with Empower, then make sure to subscribe and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the Empower podcast. Uh, Today is going to be an exciting episode because it's going to be the first episode of a a monthly podcast series, which is going to be focused around the work that we are doing on the ground and the, the challenges and opportunities that exist there. And by work on the ground, uh, I mean the work that the amazing team at Casarial are doing, who is our housing developer partner in Mozambique. Um, so since this is our first episode of this on the ground type series, we still need to come up with a with, with a cool name for this. But I think it will be a good opportunity to introduce Casarial. who you guys are, what you guys do, um, a bit about your mission, and even touch on some parts of the, the journey so far. But before we dive into that, let's start off with some personal introductions and then we can go from there. So Richard, maybe we can start with, with you and then we'll go um, Maria Odile and Andrew. Uh,
1: thank you very much. I'm Richard Bahumide, the CEO and co-founder of Casa Real. I live in Mozambique.
2: Hello, my name is Mario Odile Sanders. I'm a co-founder of Casa Real together with Richard and Andrew. Um, and I live both in uh, Mozambique and the Netherlands.
3: I'm the third director of the company. My name's Andrew McLean, and um, I'm an engineer by background, supporting Richard on the technical side, but um, helping to run the company too.
4: I'm very curious, Richard, because you're on the ground, um, and we just had a brief discussion before and um, from the catalyst project i understood we're now at the um, phase of uh, putting the roofs on the houses um, enabled by casa real can you tell us first a little bit about um, what casa real at this very moment um, is what's 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 it doing in mozambique when it comes to affordable housing
1: because i understood it's incredible oh thank you very much we are at the moment um, first of all, we have designed the project before, which we have been constructing, building 150 units. At the start, we had uh, uh, we had the 200, but there is high voltage line that is passing on the other side of the development. So the electricity company decided that we need to leave 50 meters. And so we had to reduce the number of units on the site to... 150. So, at the moment, we have completed 85 units on that development, and we are now uh, piloting green housing to integrate green building in our development because before we were using normal uh, conventional construction, and now we feel like this time because of climate change and the need to respond to resilience issues. Then we decided to integrate a green building. And at the moment with Empower, we are piloting two units that we are completing. And next month we will start another pilot. And I will speak to both differently. So the one we are piloting now is, um, is Echo Home which echo home, the green uh, building, means that instead of using the way we've been building, we started integrating other features. We decided to do this because we want to make a transition that we don't need to go greening completely 100%, but we can start with what people know. And we are using solar instead of electricity, so we will add solar panels on the roof. And instead of using regular painting, we can use uh, solar reflective paint. We are using sustainable timber, which is treated and from a sustainable timber factory and forestry manager, management. And all of these are helping us to really make sure that we have sustainable building uh, development in Mozambique. Still, in most cases when you start integrating other things you know anything you add on the house it's a cost but it adds value but then it adds cost but then we are trying to really continue to balance um, between because of affordability to make sure that still our clients can afford of course looking at also sources of end user finance and integrating innovative financing in our development. So in addition to what I have mentioned, we will also do a, a rainwater harvesting. So in during the rain season, then we can collect water. And after that, plants can still use. We will also do a decentralized treatment system, water wastewater treatment system, and that's one reason Android is coming soon to support the team to put down this. And so we reuse the water that that will be treated by this decentralized treatment system. We reuse the water during the summer season to irrigate the compound.
4: It's quite impressive. So basically, you went from affordable homes, which was your main mission in the beginning, right? And you you were able to reduce the price of a home in Mozambique um, almost by seventy five percent,
1: I believe. Um, absolutely. So
4: before we design and, this, but now so you move into greener, and I'm and and, and apparently, although it may. Um, provide a challenge to the affordability. It's also an opportunity when I listen to your electricity and your water supply, um, which is decentralized. Absolutely,
1: Yeah, yeah. So when we were, this before we set up this project, we started this project, we had a survey. And of course, we wanted to find out what the market the housing market is and the housing condition in Mozambique and during that time we discovered that actually the cheapest house in the market was $55,000 mm-hmm. we started designing it and decided evaluating the affordability and we moved it to $10,000 which was a great move and uh, uh, and to starting the affordability. But at the moment, so then we continue to see at scale, see how we can reduce the cost. But of course we, re- we reduce the cost without compromising the quality. Our houses are of good quality and we feel that we, we continue at scale, we continue to see if we can even reduce the cost further. So with integrating this is also an opportunity, greening also an opportunity. So when you look at affordability, a house is affordable not only at the start, it should be a sustainable house Mm -hmm. that even the client after buying the house in the future, should not run away from this house, like looking at utilities, looking at also repairs and maintenance of this house. So when we are designing we, and building, we ensure good quality housing. And, and also then this, this greening is going to help the clients to look at the future. So spend money today yeah. at the start, and then you in the future you have no problem. The other good thing is that the solar works that we are working with They also have a component of incremental payment. So you can also acquire Mm -hmm. the solar energy and all the solar kits. You pay a deposit and then every month you pay for a certain period of time. And then once you complete that payment, the whole life, you then are not like this one who is buying electricity every day, uh, credit like (laughs) uh, every day to consume. So then it becomes a future affordability that the clients will have
2: what I'd like to share also is that um, it's not only about providing affordable houses you need to provide houses people can pay for um, and if there are means very few people in the world actually not only in Mozambique but in the world can pay for their houses all at once mm.
4: um,
2: so you need you need um, to, so that's what we've picked up also as Casa Real, not um, only from the supply side, making the house cheaper to construct as opposed to, and therefore a cheaper sales price, as opposed to what was the standard, 50, $55,000, which was available, affordable actually, to only um, 1% of the population. I mean, and then the house can seem affordable, but if, it doesn't match the client's conditions. It's still expensive. A cheap mm-hmm. house is still expensive if the financing is expensive. Yeah. So um, that is that is the second nut to crack, actually, to make yeah. it payable for the client. Anyway, oh,
3: Mario, Del, why don't you talk about that? But I think also, uh, I think we need to talk about who we're targeting, our clients. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And, and the context, the challenge, that's, you know, because for a lot of Westerners, fifty-five thousand dollars may seem like a good deal, but it's not for the average
4: Mozambican. Yeah, so you have the environmental circumstances Blaine, or maybe you wanna, um, uh,
0: to be, which is yeah. Also, well, I uh, think and, and... I think I think we wanna so talk about the, the the context specific to Mozambique. But for me personally, I'd love to rewind a, a tiny bit and just get the the inspiration behind Casa Real as well, and maybe the the background story around you know Cassriel and and why you guys teamed up and to create something like this
2: um where to start uh we it seems like we've we've been working with Casley already um it's own specific era uh, the company was established <laughs> in 2018 and at the time all three of us were in one way or the other working for an um um, a social investor and innovator in the field of affordable housing globally, it's called Real, and we were all uh, consultants to that company. And Real was really keen to engage in Mozambique, uh, one of the lowest income countries in the world. And um, the challenging, Mozambique has many challenges due to the profit poverty also, but due to its Politics and civil war history. There's very few um, groups, social society groups, working on affordable housing. So the intervention mode of this organization, real that we were working for, was really a different one that they were they were used to working. Um, because usually they would associate with this local community group, which were fighting for rights for more affordable housing. But if that's there, how do you then start? And the interesting thing is that there was at the same time, there was this um, master planning process going on in Beira. Beira, the second biggest city of Mozambique, uh, roughly half a million to 600,000 people. And it's actually the opposite of what's happening in many other African cities that, um, as I said, usually there's, there's a lot of advocacy groups working on, on, on issues the poor face and primarily a strong component of that is usually housing. But here you had actually a municipality very keen to improve the city for all its people. Um, so Real and the city of Bera signed an MOU, I think it was in 2015. And we as consultants were then involved and asked to have a look at Beira. Richard then came in, uh, did his survey to assess the market potential. So we really started on from the bottom up, on the ground, um, And to ask, People, eh? Richard can speak more to that market survey. What were their wishes? We really, I think what, one thing we did different also was to approach this as a market, as instead of a, a charitable project. And we discovered actually people were very interested to pay for better housing. And we quickly realized also in that, in that journey that uh, the opportunities were not there. I mean, literally, no offering was going out to the majority. And then majority, I mean 99% of the people. There's no, you know, there's there's no market for affordable housing. We complain about housing in the West, but what if there's nothing? So 99% of the populations either need to build housing themselves or need to save for 20 years to have enough money to build a house. So yeah, with our combined experience, we thought we could really, uh, and it, w- it was a journey, step by step. We thought, let's let's see how far we can break through these barriers um, in a country such as Mozambique. And that is where we are now. We brought down, as you said already, the construction price, the sales price actually for a house from fifty five thousand dollars to to uh, ten thousand dollars. And for us all the time, that's been our missions also to make more affordable housing available for the average, hardworking Mozambican. So the common man and woman. Um,
3: And I think we found our three three particular strands to us developing the company. The first was, was we started by building some showcase houses, some 10 houses, just to demonstrate that you could build a house for $10,000. And we build in a particular way, which is incremental. So we build a a small house with all the essential services in it, but already designed for expansion as people's Mm. families grow, as their needs grow. And so we did a showcase showing how these houses start and how they would develop and how you could build them out to become a complete home over time. Um, So the first thing was demonstrating the technology and how we could do the houses. The second was engaging with the credit markets, because as Mario Dill said earlier, no one has the money in their pocket to buy a house straight off. And so you have to start talking to people about how they're gonna raise the money, how they're gonna pay it off over time. And this is another place where there is just zero market in Mozambique. The entire country has only 600 mortgages. That's, my village has more mortgages than the entire country of Mozambique, um, which is a stark figure. And, and the, the, the interest rates come in at about 30% for our clients, even, even if they were available. So we had to work on the credit markets as well and talk to people who might be supplying the credit and find ways of people affording the houses, which is where our tenant purchase scheme that Maria Dill can talk about more comes in. And then the final thing was... Because we are all foreigners to Mozambique, we had to start building up a local team. And so a lot of Richard's work has been taking some really great young Mozambicans, most of them straight out of university, and building up a dynamic young team for our company. Because the future of our company is not someone like me with all my grey hair, but it's the young Mozambicans who Richard's building into a team. So those are the sort of three strands of the work that have been going on inside the company.
4: So basically, the three of you came together as consultants and and became almost like the free musketeers in Mozambique, but not taking from the rich and giving to the poor, but providing opportunities for the lower income and the middle-income class to empower themselves, right? And yeah. then also to grow. But I like, really, Richard, and I would love to learn more about um, how this team is is building up, um, bottom up really um, in Mozambique. But um, basically, you are starting a new movement in Mozambique right now around uh, affordable housing and now also around greener housing, right? Can you tell us a bit more about um, about how um, how your team is building up
1: and what challenges you're facing in Mozambique? So what I do, what we do actually as Gazreal. Yeah, but before that, I I, I we started the three of us, and I was here in Mozambique. And then we started from scratch, right from the registration of the company. It's that registration process that we needed to get it legally registered. And then we went through that process. And since I was there alone on the ground, I had to start from somewhere. So I needed to do a survey, which we discussed together, the three of us. And then we started the survey and I got students, of course, who had completed the university just young and I trained them how to do the survey. And from that team, I also got those who were, uh, who had hands on the best of the best. And then we started slowly by slowly. And so we had in mind, we had that, okay, it's a young company there is no similar company that is doing this, so there is no ex- existing experience on building affordable housing and especially for the low-income people. So everyone we talked to, even when we were designing, they could not believe that somebody, in beta especially, can build a house and sell it, put it on the market at $10,000. It was, including the engineers at the municipality, they never believed that. So That's we why we only with... have six
4: hundred mortgages, isn't <laughs>
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we started with uh, with three uh, young young graduates, and then we started training them in how to design, how to talk to clients, how to how to do things our own way in affordable housing, based on the experiences we had in different countries. And since that time up to now, we have about um, 60, including the building team, the construction team, we have about 60 on average. Usually we reduce when the construction reduces and we increase when the number of units we need to build. So, but then we group them into two categories, the office staff, the administrators and the managers, and then uh, the building team. And I believe it has been successful. We train them, everyone. So they start doing like internship, all those who come, they do like three months internship. And during these three months, we are really training them to our doctrine, to our, uh, our norms and, and values, how to, in, how to implement programs in, in affordable way. Uh, on our own, and then the construction team, the same. So we also get them, if we if they are new, we get them, we train them for two weeks, and then they graduate like that. So you start like uh, a trainee. Then when you are done, we give you a short-term contract for three months, and then when you pass that one also, you, we graduate you to getting somehow long-term contract and long-term contract. So, Wait, we keep- one, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Marigo.
2: I think one thing that's very important to understand for a country like Mozambique is that the economy and the whole systems that are there are working for a certain higher level income group. And that is where data is collected and is available in all the, the registries. But the majority of people, minimal two thirds, live informally. So they don't. Officially, you would say exist. So one ground. So so usually, if there would be external teams or even government teams coming in and saying we want to design a program affordable housing for these people, there would be no data. I think one groundbreaking thing we really started off with is to go into these low-income communities, and with low income, I mean people earning a family income between hundred dollars to seven hundred fifty dollars. And really speaking, a month, yeah, yeah, a month. Really speaking about their needs and their
3: dreams. Hmm. And these people, for people who don't know Mozambique and similar countries, uh, some of these people have jobs and are working in the formal sector, in in low-paid jobs, maybe in the port or as drivers or something like that. But then there's also a huge proportion of the Population of Beira are working in what we would call the informal sector. So they're not on salaries or anything like that. They're just earning their way, doing little bits of informal business or running a small stall in the market or something like that just to make ends go by. And so that's a large part of our customer base as well. So it's finding... Finding those sort of people. And some of the stories of our customers I find really exciting. They're the kind of people who have been excluded from living in a decent place because of the the kind of income they have, the kind of job they have, and being able to provide them with a safe, secure
4: home that's going to be their future and their aspiration. But that's splendid. Basically, what I hear then is that um, people struggling on a daily basis to survive are now provided with an opportunity to have a more long-term um, perspective, right? By having a home. And at the yeah. same time, as yeah. Richard mentioned, you are providing 60 people already, whereas Casa Real is not, it's, it's going on for how many years now? Two plus, right?
2: Well, effectively two, because we faced uh, several cyclones since starting in 2018, 2019, we were hit by... The biggest ever cyclone to hit sub-Saharan Africa Um, and that took a time to recover Um, and and of course the pandemic didn't help so we started in 2018 but you could say effectively the work and I look it's a bit tough on zoom but I look at Richard here effectively I would say we're really two years in operation in a very dysfunctional market
4: Yeah, and then um, already have a team of 60 people, you know, providing education, giving them a more formalized way of living, right? And at the same time, building homes, which were previously only um, um, available for the elite, um, because that's basically what Empower is trying to help with, is to provide you with an opportunity of um, decentralized finance, besides the fact that we want to involve a wider community. Um, but um, um, I'm very curious maybe to have a very brief, um, you mentioned it already, Andrew, uh, that the interest rates are about 30% at the moment. Uh, for, especially for the, for the uh, lower class informal class probably doesn't even have access to credit. What would be well, so what's the construction uh, Richard, Mario, Deal and Andrew that you're working with right now? in order to help these people to get a, a loan for the um, incremental houses that you are uh, providing, right?
2: Yeah, maybe I answer to that because that's what I'm uh, responsible for as director, the, the bringing in investments and partnership to help uh, solve these, these um, to a certain extent, we can't solve them all, but the, the, mm. the challenges, the market challenge, context challenges. As, as a company, we have success as if you look really at the basics of our company, we offer affordable quality houses and are greening the portfolio with Empower's help also um, that people want and can afford. So at a basic level, we have a success. We have already, Richard can speak to that. We have more than 30 people already who have bought a home and have entered. the real challenge we're still facing. We were we were uh, really excited about two years ago to have a, a, a partnership with a bank who was really keen to enter this market, um, and where they previously wouldn't a local African bank where they previously wouldn't even consider clients of less than 750 monthly dollars monthly income. Through us, they were keen to go down market, but the reality is with. The structure of such a bank and their overheads and the local financing, the pricing they have for local financing already being set in the, in high double figures, it makes it very difficult. And I mean, I wouldn't take a mortgage of 30%. So the, the, the 30 clients we have in houses already now, the 30 plus, they're actually the exception to the rules. They're the ones who have saved already 20 years to be able to put down a deposit. So even though the interest rates are high, it's still you'll do it to get to that finish line of of, because you only have to still have a loan of a couple of years. So even if it's high interest, you'll you'll deal with it. Others, for instance, have um, been lucky enough to have their employer finance it. But our vision when we started was to have many more houses for many more average common Mozambicans. And if you only work with the exceptions, you can't reach there. So we early uh, last year, we thought, or actually two years ago, we need to find another way because it's too much hard work finding the exception to the rule. And it's not living up to the the dream we had when we started to have houses Mm -hmm. for the masses. So we set up this um, lease to buy scheme, or one could, it's also known as a tenant purchase scheme where we actually do the selection of the clients because the challenge is also often they don't pass the algorithm for expe- acceptance at the bank because they have a combination of jobs. They have one yeah. low-income formal job as a nurse, a teacher, a sweeper, whatever, but then they have extra jobs on the side to be able to have a livable income. So how how is a bank going to credit rate that? And we we can easier take... Take the risk because they start a lease period. So the, the intention of the lease to buy scheme is, is to have clients lease a maximum, in our case, it works for a maximum of three years, and then they would be eligible if they would still need it for a mortgage. And because they've then already, through leasing, saved from the lease, we we keep a, a bit aside for them to save. A deposit of at least twenty five percent. Even the in the local market conditions, which are still dysfunctional, but even there, they um, then the the if if the total amount you need to still loan for the house is lower, then even with that high interest rates, it's acceptable still. And yeah. and for the banks, it's also great because they have a three year. Of, of um, uh, track record of a client, and, and in essence, these are then I would say go from informal excluded clients. You make them into golden clients because they have an asset, the house, that they're keen to invest in. They've shown they they put money into it. So um, no, this is a scheme we have. We 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 think is the key to unlock this sector. And, and with Empower walking this path with us, we, we think we can reach great heights there.
4: And Richard can speak more to the dreams if you say. Uh, but it's, it's interesting lines. because I'm wondering, Blaine, you know, you, because for me, the uh, blockchain is, is quite, it's relatively new, right? But Blaine is more of an expert on that uh, territory. So I'm wondering this whole, because if you start to now have the reliability of a client, for a period of three years. Uh, you can either deposit to a bank, but on a blockchain, probably you can also show the reliability of the client. Is that so, Blaine? Or-
0: yeah, well, that okay. is that is one potential benefit of the, the blockchain is you can, I guess, keep a, a record of all different transactions and they could be linked to people, they can be linked to businesses. Um, the exciting thing with with blockchain, from my angle, is, and I'm still learning myself as well how this space works, is the fact that it is early days, and there are we're kind of just brushing the surface of the opportunities and the potential of of blockchain. And um, the exciting thing for Empower, at least in my eyes, is, is the fact that we are kind of trying to merge the these two worlds, so the crypto world and the Kind of the traditional on the ground tangible we're working with bricks and beams and concrete and timber combining those two worlds in a way that makes sense um but yeah like you said Alka, that that definitely is a possibility and um that is one way to leverage blockchain for this particular use case um one thing i i'm also very big on the environment that's that's kind of my side uh, interest and one challenge that we are facing is not only providing affordable housing but ones that are sustainable mm-hmm. so we'd like to know i guess from from the project catalyst homes where we're building out three different kind of versions of these homes can you speak to maybe some of the the interests from the the community in terms of the the different options and um yeah I guess from like a supply demand level are there any interests for the more affordable ones and yeah maybe speak to that a bit
3: Yes yeah, so well I think from the environmental side where there's a few angles to the whole thing um, mm. the first of course is that a country like Mozambique has made very little contribution to the global carbon crisis mm. historically it's been a really underdeveloped country and so they're very much suffering due to the West's overconsumption, my overconsumption and other people's rather than their own. So there's a matter of justice here. But on the other hand, (laughs) the next 50 years is gonna see massive urban development in Africa because that's where people are moving to cities. So if we're gonna change our consumption patterns and change the way we build things, we have to change the way we're gonna build cities. And that's going to be in Africa, because in Asia and Europe, we've already done it. And so it's Africa where it's happening, where people are moving in every day, thousands of people into African cities. So it's it's finding a way, a balance between finding a better low carbon way of building sustainable cities in Africa that also provides a bit of justice for the poorest people on the planet. And uh, in a way, we don't want to just experiment with things that we, we're we not sure if they're going to work or not, when it's people's life savings at stake. So it's finding that balance between building a house that doesn't consume massive amounts of carbon, that will provide a sustainable solution, and, and yet is appealing to our customers, who are these people, because it might be only $10,000, but that's the biggest sum of money they've ever experienced in their life. And that's a huge debt to them. So it's got to be something that's good for them as well. So we're we're trying to find the technologies that are going to, Reduce the amount of, for instance, cement you use in a building because cement is a huge um, carbon-producing uh, industry. So if we can just reduce the amount of cement we use, we can reduce the amount of carbon going in. Switching our timber to a supplier who we know and trust is bringing it from a sustainable source. And Richard has found a great one for the, for the moment that we're now using. Um, and then finding ways, for instance, of keeping our houses well ventilated and cool without using air conditioners, which are also just using huge amounts of energy and cost a lot of money for our clients. So Richard mentioned a solar reflective paint, So painting the roost with a paint that will reflect something like 90% of the the rays from the sun, so that the house is not absorbing heat from the metal roof, which is what everyone roofs with in Africa, and then putting a layer of insulation underneath and working out the ventilation. So those are the kind of features as well. Um, We're also introducing rainwater collection from our houses so that when it rains, there's water there in the house collected in a small tank. And then finally finding ways of irrigating and creating a lovely environment around the houses Mm -hmm. um, from the wastewater. So we treat it up to a standard and then use a sort of circular basis to reuse that water on site. Um, We're always on the lookout for different technologies that we could use to improve things. And we have to also know our own environment. I mean, for example, from Beira, you have to go, I think it's about 120 kilometers in land to find the first bit of stone, because it's on a massive sand plain, and uh, which is washed in from the Southern Ocean. So we have to find technologies that can use sand for building and not stone for building or clay for building. And that, that limits our options. But we're constantly investigating, trying to find new ways of building and better ways of building um, mm. to find these solutions.
2: And that is also in partnership with Empower Now and the catalyst funding where we're exploring together with easy housing to what it would mean if you would do only with local resources, with local materials, build a CO2 neutral and maybe even yes. CO2 negative house and to see what the feedback of our clients is. And Richard has more to share also on what our clients think of what we're doing right yeah, now and planning go in the on. future.
1: in the- yeah, so these these the the house actually especially the one we are going to start with both next month.
2: From easy housing. Be,
1: yeah, easy housing will be a great opportunity to test the market. Because I mean it, it's it's I can't say it's new. Some people have used that, but for like offices and the like, but for housing. We will be testing it also to check the market and to get feedback. And because we are looking, our ambition. Aki was asking about our ambition. Our ambition is to scale affordable housing in Mozambique, and we are not only looking at Beira. Beira is where we started from. We are also looking at other cities coming for going forward to scale affordable housing. And as Andrew was saying, new cities are going to emerge, and also those are existing are going to expand. We will expand also affordable housing to that area. So opportunity to test the market and get feedback and correct what, what is, is poorly perceived in the communities will be a great thing that we are starting with this pilot project. If you talk about the ambition, actually it's because as Maria Odile was talking, it's because people don't have really financing that they have saved the for 10, 20 years that they can come and buy houses. But we have a very long list of clients who even can afford if there was an opportunity for them to access financing. We have waiting lists that any opportunity, we don't need to go look for clients. No, the buyers are there. It's only that they do not have the capacity.
2: And and that's, I think... The Im- most important lesson to come out of Casa Real, it's not due to poverty that people don't have affordable houses in Mozambique. It's because there's no offering and because of the challenges in the market conditions. There's no offering till date um, and, mm. and the, the market conditions in the country
4: so i I mean it's amazing what i what I hear from Casa Real and um, and the pioneering that you've done so far, but not only the pioneering done so far but also pioneering for the future right as I understood that uh, the um, the houses that are financed through um, through project catalyst. Um they are um, also in line with the um, green certification, which is uh, provided by the um, IFC, um, and it's called Edge. Um, and I think that the construction of easy housing is even carbon negative, which is um, it's very revolutionary even in, in, in the Western uh, part of the world. Um, I think uh, maybe um, uh, we would like to uh, explore that a little bit more in uh, in another round of, uh, of uh, in another podcast, right, to see, you know, whether we can go in depth on that on um, and what challenges you're facing and also um, the way it's perceived by the community. I have one last, last question um, I would really like to ask is that, you know, especially... In an environment as um, Mozambique, where you have all these challenges, but you've been, you know, you've been um, tackling them one by one and bit by bit um, with really impressive results. Because within three years, you've employed sixty people. I understood you have um, access to homes for women, which is a, a group that's rarely um, uh, taken care of when it comes to property. Um, I also, if you look at the figures, within three years, you've already put down 30 homes in a country where there are only 600 homes on a mortgage base. Uh, you've um, developed partnerships with banks. You've developed a partnership with Empower um, and, and others. Um, and now, so is there something that would help you um, from a from a, a community that's... Um, uh, that's enthusiastic and working in the more uh, digital world and can reach out to any kind of, you know, I'm just curious whether we can combine, you know, Mozambique with um, our Empower community.
2: Well, I think we're still at an l- early stage of this all, you know, Mozambique being a country of 30 million people um, and 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 we are market leader already on these types of affordable homes. We, we certainly, uh, need support at all kinds of levels and let's let's walk, we're, we're excited to be walking this path with, uh, with Empower itself and uh, the wider Empower community and let's jointly define where, where there are matches. We can also start detailing out ourselves a bit more uh, what's necessary but at the end of the day and I don't want to be sounding too greedy here but it's the reality it's you know housing needs investment yeah. otherwise it stays small so what what I with uh, on behalf of Casa Real I'm most excited about in the partnership with Empower is the potential for more and more affordable financing to go into um, Casa Real, because even for us also the alternative is with local financing to then uh, have interest rates uh, also 30% plus. Eh? You can't build an affordable housing business to that and bringing in investments from abroad is challenging. That's another structural issue. So we faced last year when we finally had some level of investor from a social investor, our money being stuck, our money, yeah, the loan we were due to get, stuck with central bank for five months. We had to, five we had to, yeah. we had to fire half, half of our construction staff. <laughs> so the potential of more and more affordable funding, but also more predictable funding so, so, the issue of finance doesn't become the bottleneck uh, to which everything else needs to align with, but we can, the focus can be locally and we can plan everything else around that. So, that's the right way to go about this business. So, yeah, I'm not sure maybe Richard and Andrew have uh, other things to uh, add to that.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. That's uh, that what Mario Deal is saying is, is critical. Of course, housing housing and affordable housing is capital intensive, but not only capital intensive, but what you need to know is if if you have funding and you have invested into capital, you will need to be able to recycle that capital that you have. So for example, I can give you an example, you already have around um around fifty something that was we- Sold. So if I if I sold that, then I would be able to reinvest in that. So it would be both uh, investment for, like we are looking also towards uh, uh, rent to buy model. So it becomes an integration or an innovative financing that we need to be looking at. And and Mario D was talking also about the the money that we had stuck on yeah, at central bank which I believe Empower will be a source of solution for us to break down these issues.
3: So I, I think the key issue is, is, we're talking about finance for our customers, buying the houses from us is the key issue. And this is where Empower come in. That if that can work, then our, our business can work and our clients can get their houses it's not so much money for us to run our company, it's money for them to buy their houses. And that's where the tenant purchase scheme comes in. And the great thing about that money is is that it's linked to the house as well. So it's linked to a very secure asset and to people who are wanting to buy that asset. That's what's been unavailable. Well, it's one of the key things that's unavailable in Mozambique. And it's one of the keys to unlocking this market. And it's simply not available in Mozambique through traditional lines, through traditional building societies or banks or other providers of credit. It's just not there. And yet, those secure assets are available on our our site for those clients. And so there's a real opportunity to to tie some finance scheme to a house, to people who want to pay regularly to get their own home. Um, And that's the thing that it can unlock. And if that gets unlocked then our business has a future for for these young Mozambicans doing it and people can continue to get houses because then we can recirculate that money into building more houses for more clients and more people to get a step on the housing ladder.
2: We're not asking for charity, even though we work with low-income people. We have a strong business case. It's just uh, no one can run a sustainable, affordable housing business when you have to deal with interest rates of 20-plus Twenty to thirty plus percent. No one would do, could be able to do
4: it, not yeah. even in the West. That's a nice question, isn't it, to the community on how to? Because basically, we are already uh, reaching out, right, mm-hmm. um, to to generate uh, affordable and predictable funding uh, through Empower and through our community. But that would be a nice question to see whether we can uh, generate more of that.
0: Yeah, definitely. How. I think I think we want to Im- involve the community and as many parts of what we do as as we can. And one, we can definitely ask the question to the community, community around that. And also from a kind of a less serious point of view uh, with this podcast, because we want this to be a, a monthly podcast. Um, what we'll do after this, once this one goes live, we'll communicate with our, our community and just see what they want us to talk about as well because there's so many different things to talk about uh i know with this while well, we try to keep it to 30 minutes but i think we've almost doubled that but that's just the nature of podcast yeah, but, <laughs> <right laughs> but um yeah uh, yeah the community is 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 obviously an important part of of what we do and yeah we'll, we'll ask the community these questions and get them involved where we can for sure um but i think that was a good th- thing to end on because richard one thing you mentioned was with your mission is s- scaling this thing and uh scalable impact is something that i am really quite passionate about and for to achieve that scale you need to leverage technology blockchain but part of that is also you need some financial model uh, that makes sense and um at the moment, the, the bottleneck is, or what, at least one of the, the big bottlenecks for you guys is the, the financing. Uh, and that's something that crypto, fortunately, can address specifically. So it's got to be exciting to see how that, that plays out, because if we can provide a solution to that very particular and important problem, then that, that impact can flow a lot better than it currently is.